You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. legal snags by telling people they're being recorded okay you guys you guys aware of your rights yes <laughs> let's say what you're gonna do this clap you're gonna do a good one what you're gonna do welcome to axe to grind a hardcore podcast actually i like the hardcore podcast i'm just fine with that now fuck it there's no point in fucking dancing around it um i'm patrick uh um, mysterious guy extraordinaire i'm bob and i'm tom calling in from the basement Calling in from the basement. Uh, you know what we should develop? We should develop our uh, uh, sports radio call-in guy handles. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'm Patrick from downtown. You know what I mean? Like th- that sort of shit. I'm this Tom calling in from Woodside. Um, I got a question. <laughs> First time, long time. Yeah, yeah. Got a question about the Knicks. Got a, And I think if I was calling in. <laughs> and if I was calling into a radio show, I think I'd be Bobby. Oh, no shit. Bob. That's perfect. Perfect. I, I, I'd be Ethan from Tribeca. <laughs> so, well, that's okay. fucked up because Ethan Patz is from Tribeca and he went, he went missing. Oh, what, was that Tribeca really? Yes. I thought that was the village. Um, it, was, it was Tribeca before it was really a thing. Before Tribeca was, was a place that people wanted to live. So, so for people, uh, so uh, some of our listeners are pretty young. And to be honest, that's, that's, sure. old, stu- that's old stuff Deep for gun. me. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's uh, that's actually does that predate that predates my birth? I, I'm pretty sure. But um, would you, <laughs> Tom? Not would you, know if it predates you, but you were a kid, like you were too young to have known about it. I just remember yeah. it because, or you can tell the story and then I'll tell my experience. Okay, so so uh, this kid, uh, th- so everybody knows about the, or maybe not anymore, but it was a thing, uh, at least in media. If you didn't see it in real life that uh missing children were put on uh milk cartons and uh it was an effort uh, sort of before amber alerts sort of before any of that to just get this out there to people so that hopefully this child could be found and this kid uh, how you say his name tom i think it's ethan pats p-a-t-z yeah yes um i thought there was an i in the pats but you're probably right so um this uh this kid went missing and he was the kid, the first kid to appear on milk cartons. It was quite a big deal. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to say shit that's not real, but I think that they might've found evidence of him in a, in a neighbor's basement. It basically, it went unsolved forever. And then what happened? Some, did somebody confess on death row? I, I don't want to, I forget. Someone. Uh, he was declared legally dead in 2001, and this happened in 79. There you go. But um, I think this was, I remember as a kid, it was, um, I don't know if it was because of this or John Walsh's. Remember that guy, John Walsh, that was on uh, America's Most Wanted? Oh, I, I, I know. His, his story is horrible beyond horrible. For anybody yeah. that thinks that he's just like a, some asshole trying to make a buck, uh, he's been through it. 
yeah, the kids kept with messing or whatever, but like all of a sudden they started fingerprinting all the kids in school. Yeah. And like I remember being like five and then like literally print fingerprinting everybody in my class. I mean now like you know, Park's old parents would be like, You are not fingerprinting my children. But at the time my parents were like, Sure, whatever, it's fine. At that time, I remember when I had to get fingerprinted and I said, this is blatant government overreach. And I slapped the teacher and then I raised the black flag and said anarchy forever. Exactly. Like, did any elementary school boy not think that was cool? Like, <laughs> Getting fingerprinted. Cool oh, sure. I, we were like, that's cool. Look at this. <laughs> Tom, sure. can I mean, they use that, that against us today? They could. For sure. They're somewhere. Uh, on the rare occasion that I've considered crime, I've actually thought back in my head: Have I ever been fingerprinted? And it was in it was in middle school, uh, pre, uh, grade school, grade school. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, a morbid note to start the podcast on. Uh, but glad everybody can join us. How? Uh, let's check in on each other real quick before we do our ad reads. Uh, What's this called? It's called a. Um what do they call that? It's called a... Uh, I call it local flavor. Local Aperitif. flavor. It's called a chemistry read. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, we'll sure. Check, make sure we're all, like, leveled out. Make sure everybody can... Do the room. Yeah, uh, and, like, we got a good vibe. Yeah, all right. Tom, how you doing, buddy? I'm, I'm okay. I'm over it. <laughs> no, everybody's over it. Bob yeah, and I, I had this conversation while we were waiting for your computer. We were like, yo, everybody's over this shit. I mean, I'll do whatever I have to do to keep people safe and shit but god damn it i am fucking over it <laughs> people are snapping tom oh my god I, I just i mean i went outside yesterday and today which was nice yeah um, beautiful out yeah and like there's like apparently there's like a nicer courtyard than i gave this building credit for that no one uses oh nice. so we just sat outside yesterday and today like out in the sunshine it was pretty nice that's really nice that's yeah really but i these are the times that i really 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 miss ocean grove Yo, oh, Ocean yeah. Grove Boardwalk still open. Uh, not too populated, but here's the thing. The beaches in New Jersey are big. You can go to the beach right now, and as long as there's no tourists, nobody's around you. Yeah, it's still you local. You can be 20 feet from the next person. It's nice. It's not bad, yeah. I mean, just to be able to like sit on a porch would be wonderful. Yeah, I mean, uh, we got it pretty easy down here. Everybody's Everybody's enjoying the warm weather. Um, maybe a little too much, but that's all right. You know what I mean? I'm not mad. Uh, yeah, so regarding that, if, if, uh, at the risk of going off on one, when I'm seeing uh, all this news being, uh, in an effort to shame young people for being out at a fucking beach or whatever, and it's kind of painting Americans as, uh, just ir irresponsible people, uh, that may or may not be true that we're irresponsible people, but I will say that it's a total myth that there's, uh, European cultures that uh, are just inherently more respectful of uh, of uh, uh, society and, and our interconnectivity. That's a myth because right now uh, airlines are dropping hundreds of flights per day despite the fact that we have no restrictions on air travel. So <clears throat> that means that people are willfully doing the thing that they think is in their best interest to not get sick. It, they're not like sticking their, they're not listening to Kid Rock and sticking their finger in the air and getting on planes. So whenever you see a photo of people at the park and you see a tweet that goes like, this is why we can't have nice things. This is, this is why we're all going to get sick, why we're all going to die. Everybody, 
that's a brain hysteria. You're allowing some weird Twitter person to create a narrative for you. The majority of Americans, the vast majority of Americans are doing exactly the thing that I don't think they should be doing, but that the government is telling them to do. So uh, that's my little spiel. And for anybody asking, I'm fine. Thanks. I was going to, but you were off on one. You're libertarian <laughs> bullshit. Um, if yeah. there's anything that's changed during quarantine is that we just let Pat go off on them <laughs> just wholeheartedly. <laughs> you got to stop me. I'm, I'm obviously going to burn out our listeners. They're going to like, we're going to start getting letters. Um, I've, yeah, I've seen it. I, now that I have I'm back on the email. Yeah. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, Pat. it's never about me and you. It's about <laughs> no, no, no. Someone I saw someone ask Eric if his back hurts from carrying worst possible timeline. Oh. <laughs> Hold on though. Hold on. In my defense, do I what do I believe is most important regard, regarding podcasts? What do I think is most important? Sound. Well, thank you. That's true. <laughs> Se- sec- second most important is not yawning. Is that okay? That's true. Yeah. All right. We're killing them all. But but third is that it's just good content. So here's what I'm saying. If anybody if anybody listening to this develops a deep hatred for me, but loves you guys and continues listening, it's all good. You know what I mean? Like fuck it. Yeah. I mean that's what we have you around for because I'm you're infinitely more likable just by having you in the room. That's probably a fact. Like I would probably be an asshole on another podcast, but here it's like you know, guys, not so bad. You know what? I'm ha- I'm happy to do this lifting. <laughs> uh, and Bob, and Bob, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm chilling. I got uh, yesterday. Went to a uh, so they reopened all the state parks in New Jersey. So that's really cool. Mm. And uh, you know, having a six year old means that you want to get out as much energy as humanly possible all yeah. of the time. So we went to go uh, on this nature trail, the Batona Trail. It's a 51-mile trail that runs through, like, three different giant parks in New Jersey. And it's essentially, like, nobody goes on it. It's giant. Nobody goes on it. And so we go down to the spot, down, like, tip of... It's in, like, Egg Harbor. A little Egg Harbor, which is down the bottom tip of Ocean County, top tip of Atlantic County. Go for a walk. Nobody there. And I'm like, oh, shit. We got a long walk back, but what if we take this trail? That goes generally in the right direction. Famous so we language. go, we go off the trail, and then we're kind of like starting to get into a place where there is no trail. And then, then a body dump. Yeah, and there was just no option where it was like, what the point where you can go? Let's just turn around had passed sure and uh you know yo had full full cell phone power i was texting with friends about dumb shit like lol you know and i'm like do i t- when when do i go hey i gotta conserve my cell power for for gps and like calling 911 but now we we made it through we we crawled through a cedar swamp i think mm-hmm. amanda got to check something off her like life bucket list which is like doing that thing where you walk across a giant log across swamps Got mm. to do a few of those. That was cool. Um, and, and made it back in one piece. And miraculous. The miracle of this whole thing. My arms look like I'm a meth addict. Because they're all cut up. Like crazy shit. Like, I saw. Crazy. Yeah. 
And Amanda, halfway through, she admitted she was like, yeah, I was really angry at you a few times, just momentarily. This was my question to you. Did you turn on each other? Not me. (laughs) Me and the six-year-old were good. But but the other person who was with us, mom, was turned on me. Not so much the child. The child did well. Um, But at one point, she goes, I I think I was like, oh, do you think there's poison ivy here? And she's like, no. Uh, And then then later, she's like, yeah, there's definitely poison ivy here. I'm like, there definitely was. Definitely. I didn't get any. I'm super allergic to it. So that was my big concern. Made it through. Felt pretty victorious. Felt good. Felt nice to kind of do that. I think uh, I think we all were like, well, let's not do that again. But that was fun, you know. So not to throw I'm going to not be specific so that I don't throw a friend under the bus here. But he was trying to convey a story to me the other day where he one of those big things that people do where they they challenge themselves physically someplace far away where uh you know you check it off your bucket list it's an impressive feat sure he trained for a year to do it his girlfriend insisted on going and didn't train a day and was miserable so yeah. this so this thing that he had on his and of course they of course they're still together they reconciled it's fine but of course it uh it this thing that he had been looking for for so long he's got his partner in the background being like and my feet and and he, and you know he meanwhile <laughs> he had trained so hard <laughs> so it's a uh, i love this idea of couples like like turning on each other as long as it doesn't result in divorce. I I think it's very funny. Oh, it was funny. Uh, So, I mean, the best part about it was it was not, there was no open hostility, but there was the silence, the lack of, of communication that you can feel. Yeah. Simmering. And after once, once, once situation had been rectified, we're at the car. I go, so were you, were you mad at me? Because like, I clearly took us off the trail and just was like, nah, we're good until we're halfway through and she starts seeing, I'm looking at the, the compass on my phone. And she's like, I, I got angry at you a couple of times, just momentarily. And I was like, mm. yo, let me uh, say I though, think that's, I hear her. she wants to defend herself. Th- there's like a real strength in waiting till the end of a crisis to say some shit because I that, know that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's way better right now. Do you want to defend yourself? How, here, come here. She's got a face mask on, though. But that's okay. We're, it's a video camera. Here. It's just Patrick. It's all right. All right. So, how much trouble was I in? A very small amount of trouble. <laughs> I mean, I admire that because I've been uh, put over the coals for a lot less. How long was the walk through the not trail? <laughs> I would have turned on you. That's not a what was what was the worst part? Um when we got out of the swamp and <laughs> when we got out of the swamp and we're looking ahead and there was just solid mountain laurel and um rose thorns in every direction. Yeah, yeah that's, that's discouraging. <laughs> and what was the best part? Thank you. I love you. 
Yeah, you're mad. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, um, so it was cool, but it was cool. Uh, I can't believe that my six-year-old did it with zero complaints. That's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. He's a trooper. So, so in the conversations about surviving the island, I'm in a, a good space right now. Tom, Tom, you're still you're coming on my team, Tom. We're going to we're going to survive the island. Eric and Patrick over there lifting weights. It's not going to mean much when we get to the island. No. Yo. I mean, we could still take them. I mean, me and you could beat the shit comically, out. Comically. <laughs> let, let me say I had a moment. I had a moment yeah. two days ago where uh-huh. I, I stepped on the scale and I had this rush where I went, oh, shit, I'm right on the precipice. And then I thought, God damn, I got to fight all those people now. And, and <laughs> so I, I was uh, I was 157, according to this, uh, uh, but it turned out that this, the scale is a fraud. I had somebody else step on it and be like, you know, and he's like, nah, it's like seven over. And I was like, fuck. But Uh the, uh, for a second I was like, oh, I'm knocking on the door. I'm almost there. And then I was like, God damn, I got a lot to answer for when I get to that door. (laughs) It's true. Big talk. (laughs) Big calls, big answers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh Well, well, while everybody else is allowing themselves to fucking wither during this quarantine, your man is getting bigger by the hour. I saw a friend who uh, looked like he got stung by a thousand bees. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. A lot, so shout out to our listeners that are working on themselves and shout out to those of you that have let yourself go to shit in the last month and a half. Do your fucking thing. It's all good. Yo, let's, let's talk sponsors real quick. Let's do it. Tom, you want to start or should I? I can start. I'll start. I'm going to start with our buddies to live a lie records. Uh, this, you know, I don't know how much you guys have gotten a chance cause it's wild, you know, time music, et cetera. I've been doing some diving in the, to live a lie catalog. Um, it's quite impressive. We knew that going in, but I actually have been really excited by the opportunity to kind of like give myself a reason to check it out more and more and more. Um, I am going to shout out a record there's actually two records that we actually there's two records I want to shout out, but I'm going to do one today and we'll do one in the near future. Um, you're going to go to to live a lie records dot com to live a lie dot com. Right. Enter the promo code. Axe to grind. And you're going to want to spell it out. And the record I'm recommending is by the band Chest Pain. Uh, it's mm. the Welchmers LP. You guys hear this at all? F- familiar at all? I have not. I know, the name. I know the band name. Yo, I knew the band name too. I knew the record image. I was super impressed with actually listening to it. And I don't know why. I think it came out a few years ago. Came out in a time where I just you know wasn't checking out everything that came out. And... Um, Somebody was, I, I read something that was like, oh, it's like meta power violence. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> but then <laughs> listening to it, I get what they're saying. There are parts where it's, it's very pure power violence. But then there's the musicality. These are very talented, highly competent people. And they, but they do a lot of different things where everything up to a certain point builds to what you could picture as like a, a really fast punk song or like a dirgy heavy song, but then they'll hit these blasting power violence parts that are really well done, and somehow it feels very cohesive. So, um, you know, reference points, I would say Hatred Surge, I would say Mind Eraser, 
but also there's other stuff going on. I hear some capitalist casualties type stuff. It's it's a very interesting listen. Uh, my favorite song, I believe, is a 37-second song, Riding Man, and that's a cool fucking track. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually super psyched on this record. I probably am going to order it myself. Uh, so everybody should go check that one out. I think this is a cool bit. I think they're from Texas, too. So um, check it out for yourself if you haven't. But I think that is a cool record. And we're going to get into some more To Live a Lie stuff not too far from now. And okay. Patrick, I thought of you because I actually thought in the same way that you've big up Regional Justice Center for being more interesting than quid pro quo power violence... Which, like, that's what I want to call it. I don't think I don't think it's fair for these bands to be like, this is real power violence, this is fake power violence, you know? Yo, if you're doing paint-by-numbers power violence, I don't know, in 2020, you better be the best at it. Are you oh, better than No Comment? Are you better than Crossed Out? I don't so, think so. So, look, I, I, our, uh, I, our uh, mysterious guy the blowback that we got uh, put me in a space where I said, you know what? I, I should really, I should really see for myself if some of those bands are, are somehow a, a, a cut above what I picture them being in my head. And, and then I started thinking about what it would really take to satisfy me as like a guy who like, <clears throat> like noisy, hardcore, fast core particularly doesn't necessarily interest me. So like you have to be really good or, you have to display a ton of personality, and I, I, I know everybody knows this, but like if you're not willing to do that on the uh, musical level, you got to have a vocalist with a ton of fucking charm. So uh, I'm always interested to check out stuff that that transcends genre, and if this is uh, if this transcends power violence, I'd be interested to hear it. Yeah, 100. That's I, I think it's well worth everyone who's listening to this to check it out. And I'll say, especially for the people who think power violence isn't for them, because the blasting fast parts on this are really well done, but the frameworks of the songs are quite often not reliant on that. Mm. So I think that's important. Um, so to live a lie.com, go check it out. Tom, what you got? We got death wish incorporated. Mm. Um, I know they just put out the 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 full the full LP for Jake's new project, Umbra Vitae. Mm. Um, I haven't listened to that yet. It's it's only Sunday and it only came out on Friday, but I will dive into that and I'll be ready for the next time. Um, I did um, procure some Death Wish um, stuff from their um, their distro catalog. Did, you, did that stimulus Friday-ish. check hit your hit your bank account? It did a while back. I thankfully I got a letter from Mein Führer um, this week, um, just letting me know that it was coming, even though I had already gotten it, which was cool. Um, I just got mine. You won't give it to me. You don't have yours. Did you pay I, it, last year? You don't got told me how to get it, and I got mine. I got mine you, two days ago, Thursday. You don't got to pay taxes to get it. Uh, you can be a non-filer. For anybody curious, if so a lot of our listeners, I'm just going to be square with with everybody. A lot of our listeners uh, prefer to work under the table jobs. Uh, there's a plenty of reasons why somebody would choose to do that. Uh, if you are a, and you might be in trouble right now. If you are uh, if you said, "Hey, I haven't paid taxes and therefore I don't get the stimulus check." That's not true. If you want to avail yourself of that stimulus check, you can uh, apply as a non-filer. Go look that up. Uh, however, I'm sorry. Say it again, Tom. No, that's awesome. I didn't, I thought it was like strictly based on like last year's taxes. 
No, uh, it, it, it's it, a it, whole you, thing. You don't. You basically estimate what you made. Yeah. Uh, however, AKA I can make up some shit. Yeah, AKA you say seven thousand dollars, regardless of what it was. So, um, so uh, the problem. It's like a I'm think podcast. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Next, we're going to uh, teach you how to make uh, stone soup. So uh, the the uh, the problem how I'm having poor and act like it too. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> the problem I'm having is uh, it's telling me that I have not registered or I my pin number is not working. Uh, your tax pin and uh, it, I didn't have one. I just didn't use that. Yeah. Uh, so that's, what's interesting is the filer. So it's a whole long story. When I tried going through, no doubt the website that you went through, uh, which is the one that, for example, Ian, uh, of regional justice center also went through, uh, they tell me I'm just not going to get the info. They don't say you're not going to get the check. You said, we can't help you with that information. It's very bizarre. Did you so do the, the capital letter address trick? That's they don't even thing. let me get, they don't, they don't even let me get that far. Wow. So, so, so I might be on a, I might be uh, basically uh mind Fuhrer might be trying to rub me out right now. I don't know. He might be trying to starve me like, uh, like I live in the Ukraine in 19 fucking 40. Um, so, uh, Tom, I'm sorry. Go on. Oh no. Well, if you need a job, Rachel's looking for help. Oh. No shit. Because apparently everyone's ordering, <laughs> everyone's adopted dogs and need. Oh so yeah. She's like, it's crazy. Like she's working in the hospital coming home and like, Pulling like eighteen-hour days and shit. Good for her. She has to yeah, hire awesome. help, like another person. So, you want to drive up to Orange? She's got you. That's cool. Very good for her. I yeah. think I, I'm in the last round of uh, of applicants for my Russian romance job. All right. Da. Yeah. So, uh, wish opportunity. Wish me luck. Yeah, I'll be journal for three hours a day after I get that job. Good luck. So yeah. So. Um, my stimulus check, you know, came in. I figured I'd, I'd buy some stuff. Um, so I went into the Death Wish distro, and I bought um, the Here's Collective LP that came out in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's called Friends, Lovers, Favorites. So I bought yep. that. Right. And then I bought a record that I realized either I have on vinyl and it's not in my apartment, and it's somewhere in a garage in Jersey with my family or I owned it on CD because that's what we did in the 2000s. Uh, yep. I bought some mistakes you never stop paying for by the suicide file. Nice. Ooh, necessary. Uh, yeah. I and mean, it's something that I wanted to hear. And I was like, well, I'm not going to wait until the next time I'm allowed to see my family to start picking, you know, crate digging and getting more records. So I figured I'd buy it again. So I might have two. So that's cool. So that's that something, cool. as as Tom mentioned, they got that new Umbra Vitae on Deathwish Inc. proper, but they're uh, honestly the the distro is banging, and yeah. uh, we know a lot of you out there are taking advantage of that, and we think you should keep doing that more and more. Fact. So what? So what do we want to do to get that distro discount? You go to deathwishinc.com. You enter the and promo code. Axe to grind. And Patrick, what do you do with that? You're going to spell that fucker out. Well, look at that. All right, let's get to the Woo. shits, everybody. Thank you to our sponsors, who also include... Closed Casket Activities and Run For Cover Records. Same promo code, nice discount. Go support all that shit. 
Uh, we'll be talking to you about all that stuff they got going on. We're going to do a big label episode. I know I say that like three times a year. It's actually coming. So working on it slowly in the background. And also uh, do me a favor. If you guys use the promo code and it doesn't work, let us know. Yeah, shoot, shoot us an email or shoot us a DM. Usually it, it works. Yeah. Sometimes things expire with, uh, yeah. So, it, yeah, it's all good. We'll talk to you. Um, what's up, guys? You guys noticed that venue that closed down? Great, yeah, Scott. Pat, you ever play there? Many times. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I got a lot of pushback when I said it's one of the best Boston venues because a lot of the hardcore kids go to shows elsewhere and have other memory have memories of those other shows. But uh, for bands like mine that that uh, don't uh, come with an inherent uh, broken nose risk. Uh, this was the spot that we played most often in Boston and, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. It was a no hassle sort of spot. Uh, and I'm sad to see it go. Is this what you did the live record? Yes, we did. Wow. Okay. Uh, and it, it, uh, good, good. Uh, uh, so have played there as both uh, played there with drug church, played there with self-defense and, uh, very appropriate venue for both. Uh, good size, good vibe, uh, good staff, set really genuinely. And I, you know, I don't get fucking sentimental about venues literally ever, but I will say that this was a good one and I am sad to see it go. Yeah. And from what I'm told, it's one of the only good ones that Boston had and especially at that size. Yeah. So, uh, it's a, it's a weird reality and like, what do we, what do we say to not be alarmist? Like, like there's a part of me that wants to say, "Hey, brace yourselves, kids." But, um, but, but, like, you look, a lot of these places are going to be fine, but some might not be. Yeah, uh, yeah, many might not be. Uh, um, so there's, uh, I don't know how much I can talk about without letting, without giving things away. Uh, there's some indicators <laughs> that uh, are are scary. Um, yes. So. Uh, we know about the woes that uh, th- that that uh, uh, Live Nation is having and Ticketmaster is having. And again, to anybody that hears the words Ticketmaster, if if you're of a certain age, you go, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know, what I mean, fuck them. But uh, you need to understand that these companies are all uh, in bed together or are literally parts of one another. And uh, when one takes a beating, the other one typically feels it as well. Uh, and, and then you're Mary's in the coal mine too, I think. To a yeah, point. that's 100% true. And also like when, when somebody listening says, okay, Ticketmaster, whoop de whoop. Okay. Live nation. What, uh, the promoters are out. No, no, no. You don't understand. Live nation owns these venues. Yes. yes. Uh, and it is. So here's the, here's the gamble. The venues that are going to be allowed to come back first are the smaller venues. Uh, that said, they're also the most likely to die before we're allowed to go back. So, it, right. So it is a real gamble. For example, I have a I have a tour on the books right now that uh, I talked to somebody who knows virtually better than anybody. What are the odds of this happening? So I can plan yeah. accordingly. And this person told me. Good chance you could do two weeks at, at that point. This I'm ta- the point I'm talking about is end of summer, early fall. Yep. Uh, they said good chance you could do two weeks. Very little chance you could do California. Yep. 
and uh, you're going to be looking at some places where you'd technically be allowed to play, but it would look very different looking out in the audience. And, and also there's going to be a number of those venues that you have holds on that will be dead by the time that this comes around. Um, yeah. So, so that's, that's somebody that, like I said, is about as plugged in as you can be. And, uh, that's a scary heads up for someone like me. Now, my bands are, are of a size where we get a, a large number of, of, uh, support offers. So we will probably feel this less than some bands. Uh, cause we'll still be on tour. We'll get less money to do support tours for larger bands that are now playing smaller venues. Um, so this might not hurt me as much as it will hurt some bands, but if now, you are, I have a question. Okay. So does Bob, I think too. No, okay. Tom, I, I wanted to say real quick, cause I want you to do your question. I want you to be our barometer. Basically, I've got some stuff to say here too, but I want you to go, okay, tell me more. Give, give me more. This is bad, but give me more. Or I'll be the, all right, I'll be or, the this is so, this is bad enough. Let's stop. Let's stop. Okay, sure. And I'll be like the listener. Yes. <laughs> so do you think that, all right, so say bands like your size, like Drug Church. I don't know what, the, I don't know what Bob was doing. Are you measuring something? Yeah, what is, what is happening? I'm just stretching. Okay. Well, I think you're measuring six feet. I'll tell you um, wingspan. <laughs> were you going out for the draft? Like what's <laughs> the good wingspan? Um, so, do you think? All right. So bands like yours will will it relegate you guys strictly to support tours and venue because it's like everything's kind of going to become compacted. So like. Thrice, who would usually do a fucking 2,000 cap place, is now doing maybe 800 because that's all that's allowed or whatever. Like, do you think it'll kind of – the smaller bands won't be able to do much because those rooms are going to be taken up by a, a $40 ticket rather than a $12 ticket. So here's the conventional wisdom, and I should point out that even the person I talk to who knows more than anybody still says nobody knows anything. You know what I mean? So, so everybody bear that in Welcome mind. Welcome to the speculation segment right here. <laughs> right. But can but the prevailing the prevailing wisdom is exactly what you said, Tom, which is that there's going to be a crunch for bands that are a thousand caps are going to be dropped down to five hundred caps. That means that bands that were five hundred caps are going to be dropped down to nothing. You, you know what I mean? So, so uh, for anybody that doesn't understand, maybe you only go to basement shows. Maybe you only go to really big shows. Uh, there's there's uh, there's the cap refers to the size of the room, obviously, whatever. But it, it, the, the there's gradients of of there's strata of uh, capacities, and uh, depending on what we see the most die off in as ter- in terms of venue, and also what is allowed to play at any particular venue. For example, there's been a number of people that have been speculating that larger venues uh, are going to be hosting smaller acts uh, because that way the, there'll be uh, this almost uh, law legally required distance between people. Um, so th- th- there's been a lot of speculation and it really depends on what, uh, AEG live nation sees as, as most prudent. Uh, and again, those of you I that feel th- like there's going to be a level of testing too. There's going to be some, let's see how yeah. this works. Let's see. AEG is going to say, Hey, let's try, let's try a small band at this bigger venue. Let's try the big bands at the small venue with a bigger ticket. Except it's going to, we're going to see a lot of, 
uh, things, and and some of it's going to be just as it is. Hey, here it is, and there's going to be a lot of like playing games. Like now's the time for our reunion tour, and we're going to do it at small venues. Right. Now, do you so, think what are the chances of like um, <clears throat> you know bands playing their usual sized venue, but it's brought down from th- you know thrice. So still play the three thousand cap. But the 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 cap for the temporary cap is fifteen hundred. So so you think, the, is that feasible too? I think it'll happen on occasion. What I think the problem there is is staff. Uh, the problem there is keep is turning the lights on for certain venues is expensive enough. Cost yes. Um, yeah. so, so, so I I that will undoubtedly happen in in certain locations, particularly places that uh, where a promoter believes that there's value there, but the other venues have closed, which will certainly be the case in a lot of places. So, uh, I mean, that's the other thing that we should talk about like mid market, like whatever you want to call them, like, like B and C marketplaces. If they experience massive die off in venue, bands might still go there, but into completely inappropriate venues. Um, and and I, I think we can expect that. Well, and, and what I want to say, Tom, to circle back and and here's where we're going to get, How's this conversation been so far? Realistic? No, I think it's pretty realistic. I think people are interested and in like. Oh, I think it's a great conversation. Is and it, yeah, I don't think it's. How much of a bummer is it so far? I mean, it's kind of a bummer, but I mean, I okay. think it's worse. You ready to go I'd down rather, Bummer Street? I'd rather be bummed and have some information than be bummed and be like, I might never see a live band again. I might have to yeah, go see no, we can, we can be more realistic than that. Um, <laughs> so you asked a fantastic question. Are we going to see bigger b- bands playing smaller venues? Is that going to push the smaller bands out of those venues, et cetera? And, you know, long and the short of it, yeah, maybe, probably, good chance that happens. The other answer that I wanted to pose is <clears throat> the idea that I think there's going to be bands, a band like Drug Church, you're probably the upper most size of this, where it could be like, well, what if we do a more DIY venue tour? And, like, let's play these places, less. But I think that those places are going to have a very difficult time uh, getting right. the getting the VFW, getting the fire hall, getting these, getting the weird club, getting the even places like yo. You think your basement scene has a hard time right now with ask a punk named venues? Wait till this shit where the police will be like, oh, there's no large gatherings. Like okay, those so, things will be cracked down on 10 times harder. So, so it's like people are going to be forced down and crunched out. And I'm not quite sure because it, <clears throat> my initial reaction to this was thinking like, yo, actually punk hardcore, this will survive. Cause a lot of these places use DIY venues, different things like that spaces. Those places are going to have a hard time just existing, not necessarily on a financial level because they always have that, but on a purely Hey, we might not be allowed or enabled to do the things we did before all this nonsense. Can now, do I, you can think, I, oh, go on, Tom. Sorry, yeah, you guys can see each other. I can't. I can see you guys, but I think I'm on a little bit of a delay, so I apologize. Do you think, like you were talking about, like the second and like secondary and tertiary markets? Yes. Now I feel, and this is maybe crazy, but I feel like they'll be less impacted because the venue in Lawrence doesn't cost as much to keep the lights on as the similar venue in Brooklyn or in LA or in Echo Park. Or I think like those places will probably see like an uptick because it's like, number one, most likely it'll be the, the, the rules will be less stringent. 
And number two, it's like, you know, Great Scott closes because it's in Boston and everything costs a million dollars. Yep. You know, the Great Scott in, in fucking, you know, Roswell is, is still okay because they're used to kind of working on a shoestring budget as it is. You know, and yep. five out of seven nights, it's just people coming in to drink. So, so that, that's a good point. Let, let's look at the positives here. That that's entirely possible. Although my fear is that those uh, they're working on they're working on margins so thin that the operating capital to stay open for two months is just is as unreachable. Even though the number is so much smaller, the, it is still as unreachable as as living in Boston or or, or uh, uh, San Francisco, uh, relatively speaking. Just because their margins are so much worse. Like, and I can say this from and, and Tom, I, you've done a ton of touring. I know you know this, but like for our listeners, like. My, some of my, my bands that do are not massive draws have gotten very handsomely paid in Boston, New York, San Francisco, Los Angeles. Like those are like, you, you are, again, you're not making real adult fucking money, but you, but like you could be really impressed with the amount of money that even a small band can get for filling a venue in those places. And, uh, meanwhile, if I fill a venue in, uh, Tulsa, my favorite target of these conversations, um, the amount that I'm walking with is still less. Well, not if I fill it, if I fill it, it's probably all things equal out. But if, uh, if I do a good show there, like the offer is just not going to be as strong. And, uh, so, so the, the money coming in Tom is what I'm saying is, is, uh, is not necessarily as good so sure. to, for, for the venue. So I, but let's look on the bright side. Yes, that's entirely possible. And it is enti- Here's where I think we're going to see, the most potential, let's say that, let's say that Bob is wrong and basements are just like, get overlooked, right? It's just not a priority. Sure, maybe. And, right. That's the first, that was my first inkling, my hope. Right. Sure. And, and let's say, let's say that Tom is right, that, that smaller markets, uh, actually have, uh, uh, more agility during this time. Okay. Well, like, let's say that those two things turn out to be true. This would be a really fucking great time for DIY music. Like not right. now, not, right now is ass, but like in, in seven months, we could yep. see a real, we could see a real renaissance of basement scenes, uh, renting VFWs for big shows because look, right. everybody, re- I don't know. I know that a lot of our listeners fall into age groups where they have experienced this, but some of you do not VFW, a packed VFW is increasingly rare even before this COVID thing. And it is one of the funnest fucking types of shows you could attend. You know what I mean? So if you're in a place that has had that on a consistent level, you should feel good about it. I mean, I'm in one of those places those where, brick shows you know, are a blast. what's that? The brick shows are a blast. Oh yeah. 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 And that's like a legacy thing. Like there's yeah. been several VFWs, DAVs, EMS halls, uh, the log cabin, which is like a community center. Yeah. Like, all these places that we've been able to do DIY shows with you know, the people who made the rules were us. Uh, and it's always awesome. Um, and we don't take that for granted how cool and special that is. It's, it really is. But that, if you have the opportunity for that, you do. And I mean, Patrick, you, you said it right. That's not, that's not the reality in a lot of places. Right. So um, that, that would be a really beautiful outcome to all of this. And that's the energy I hope people carry through this. Um, yeah, like, like my self-interest aside, um, because like 
I could pretend that my bands have graduated quote unquote out of that world, but like, and maybe I wouldn't be welcome back. Maybe nobody wants to see my bands on a basement show in 2021, but, uh, my self-interest aside, those of you that like really love like DIY, whether that's hardcore or like just quote unquote underground music, um, I would urge you to see this as not like an opportunity, like you're an opportunist, like scumbag trying to profit off it, but like this could be a window to really strengthen your local community. And again, these are all words that make me sick, but like you could have a moment of a venue of a non-professional venue scene and make it work. And and if you think, if you think it can't, well, I don't know your circumstances. I haven't been to every place, but I've been to a lot of places and I can assure you with some looking like in fucking Toronto, I passed a church that'll rent to you for fucking 300 bucks. A church. You know, like, here's the thing. Yeah. What was that spot in Latham? The the bar. Uh the landing zone. Landing zone. Seven. Right. Yeah, that sounds right. And it's like there is desperation and there will be desperation for these places to make rent. Sure. Yeah. If you show up there with a few hundred dollars, they might be willing to take your money. So keep that in mind. And remember that hardcore is particularly well-suited and, you know, more DIY parallels are really well-suited for that. Whereas, like, you know, somebody like Thrice is in a hard spot. They can't. They can't go play the landing zone. They can't have some dude just rent a space because it's just too much. and It's too high profile. But if you can fly under that radar and start doing stuff, well, you can have live events. Uh, Back to Bummer, Bummer Alley for a second. Uh, I already have friends who are having tours canceled in the fall. Yeah. Well, it, it, that's what a lot of people are doing to, to not to be safe, but to be safe for them. Meaning like, so for, for booking agents, they book the thing and it, it is what it is. If it works out, it doesn't work out. They don't expect it to, but bands who might have to take a month off, of whatever work that they can get right now to go on a tour, uh, the idea that it'll be canceled at the last second or, or they'll be unable to play 60% of the venues is too discouraging. And, uh, it might be better to just nip it in the bud now. And I think that that's what a lot of people are doing to play it safe because that 2021 estimate that people were very mad at previously, that's what I'm hearing from quote unquote, right now. And I mean, I don't mean experts like, like health and safety officials. I mean, fucking people that make their living, uh, booking, uh, large shows. So people who make a living doing this and are desperate right now, not to become employees at Quiznos. uh, Correct. Very correct. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a fallow year. That's what it is. And this happens in all things. This, it doesn't always happen because of a uh, plague, but, but, uh, you're going to, you're going to see thin years in, in everything that you ever attempt in this life. So this might be your thin year. And as I've said before, I think that there's going to be a, a, a a pro, a pro core band die off of some, some measure because, yes. uh, um, I really think that some bands struggled for a decade to get to the point where they could pay their rent. And to those of you that, that, uh, started in careers when you were 22, that might be totally unknowable to you. And basically sounds pathetic, you know what I mean? But, but it is a reality that, 
Yeah, uh, yeah, ban- yes, sure. right. Yeah. It's not, it, it doesn't happen to everybody. Right. It's the best. The best case is still sad. <laughs> so, so <laughs> what I'm saying is, if they just put in ten years to get to the point that they could have a steady income, and then they realize that the income is no more steady than anything else, and that this past that they're going to have to go get a job painting uh, painting barns for their brother-in-law, uh, they might not come back. And they and might I, not come back, especially if they look around and go. Wait a second. The life, the quality of my lifestyle based on this, doing this thing that I love and all that is here. And you're telling me that I can keep my girl and we can have a nicer place if I just go get that job in a cubicle down the road. Yeah, for sure. All's out. Okay. You're serious? And I'm, I'm not going to have to worry about being like at zero at 32. You know, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. I think a lot of people will be looking at. Um, who are on that that higher end of the spectrum where their band maybe is, you know, quote unquote paying their bills, because that's a tough. It's it's like how how much can you something that is so fragile and something that can pay your bills if it can get knocked off for you know three months and you're done, you're toast. Yeah, um, and and, and, I and mean, look, you know, I say that, but at the same time, that's that's the case for a lot of working quote working Americans, you know, so. Cur- Correct. So that's what I would, that's what I would urge those people to consider is like, Hey, I mean, there's computer programmers that are in the same fucking spot as you, but same. I, uh, right, but here's I what mean, I think. I'd be in trouble. Right, yeah. But, 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 but here's what I think. I think that there's something inherent to the frustration that goes to building for 10 years to get the, the least to then having your legs kicked out. That is going to really just, ju- just, uh, discourage unnerving, yeah. So, uh, and look, I, I've said it before, and that maybe I sound doom and gloom. I, I uh, it's easy for me to joke that I hope for a band die off because half these bands fucking suck anyway. Blah blah blah. It's easy for me to joke about this sort of shit um, from like some life or bullshit stance over here, but like the reality is, I want to see people be able to pursue the things that interest them, and it does make me sad on some level that uh, that that might be going away for a lot of people, but. There is something to be said that like, yo, people that want to start families with some degree of stability, music might not be the spot. You can still always enjoy music and, and, and do it from your backyard while you're mowing the lawn. There's no crime in that. So, uh, it's, it's, you know, this is an interesting period where I think we're going to see if you're a snob, you're going to say, this is where we separate the wheat from the chaff and this is where the real blah, blah, blah. But it's not about that. People just got to make the best decisions for their own life. I'm curious to see what it looks like, <clears throat> you know, so say, um, you know, drug church in a big city plays a 400, 500 cap on a $12 ticket. If you go back to that same place, do you charge 17 bucks to kind of it break, be- like there's certain amounts of money that you have to make to make it make sense for like, right. especially for a bigger, say like thrice or whatever, like they have adults that they employ that you have to be able to sort of like, you know, they can't, and I don't know what their money looks like, but they can't like do it for less than say five grand a show, whatever the fuck it is. Right. Like, and do you and, charge more to get to that? But then you realize like all the people that are coming to see you are also fucked. So it's not like everyone else is working and the concert industry went to shit. It's like, yo, most of these people don't have that money. Don't you have said two really, really crazy things, Tom. They're perfect. Um, Thank can't you. do it for less than blank. And then the whole point you just made about a lack of discretionary income. Right. 
we haven't completely hit the lack of discretionary income point yet slash maybe we haven't hit the point where people are feeling it the way they would. And let me pull back. I know there are a lot of people who are feeling it. I have people, you know, I think we all are conscious of it. Like shit. This could, you know, <laughs> if you don't have a job, you can work from home or you don't have one of those, an essential worker job. You might be looking around going, shit. Yep. If I, if I can jump in for a second. So uh, that's, there's a number of you that right now are feeling more discretionary income than you've had in the past because you're on unemployment with with the benefits. So you, right now you're getting or with, with this added uh, uh, stimulus. So so you're getting actually some workers are getting more than they were would otherwise. That's obviously not everybody, but that's a lot of people. And and those and it's people cheaper to stay home. And those people are chi- yes, that's a fact. And those people are chilling right now and feeling good about their money. However, uh, news as of like yesterday was uh, that. Uh, lawmakers say that they're going to fight tooth and nail to not allow that to go e- e- even into August. So uh, if, if at the end of that, not to, this is not the doom and gloom podcast, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but right now if you're getting by on, on unemployment and you're feeling good about it, uh, that additional revenue, that stimulus, what I forget what they're calling it, um, it is that will be going away. And uh, at that point, the 30 million unemployed in the United States is, is going to sting everyone in a very real way. Yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, so that, that hits that second point and it's like, exactly who is everyone going to have the money to go support the things they love like this? Like, are people going to be having that harder conversation of, do I go to this show? Can I afford to go to the show? And then the, the flip side of the coin being, we can't do this for less than blank. And that could be exactly what you said, a band who has road crew, has people to support, et cetera. But then even at the same time, at a smaller level, there's going to be bands who are like, whoa, 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 wait, we, we got paid X when we did our last tour and we're going to get paid one third of X now. I don't know if we can do that. And right. then you combine that with the point t- Patrick was making before the people who've been doing this for a while, the people, or, or maybe even not the people who are doing this for a while, but the people who are using this to pay their bills and they look at it and go, I can't, I can't do this tour because I'm not going to bring home enough. I, I always had a lot of respect for, for uh, Colin of Arabia on this topic because that was the first band that I ever saw say the true thing, which was, um, when gas was, they were touring right around the time that gas was circling five dollars, right? Right. And, yep. and and they just straight out said, like, "Hey, everybody, we like touring, but physically can't. That's just it is what it is." And that was at a time where bands were getting yelled at if, uh, online if they said, "Hey, I'm just unable to figure this out. Like, like this, these numbers don't make any sense." And Colin just sort of jumped out and said the thing that, you know, and he's a bigger guy that people fear. So, so yeah. he, he gets to say what he wants, but like, I, I admired it because he wasn't worried about the DIY blowback of being sincere and saying, right. Hey, can't be done. You know what I mean? Like some like band and you, you don't got to make it about trust funds or, or, or wealthy kids, but it, the, the bottom line is that some people are better prepared to tour than others, right? Like some people have more to fall back on than others. That's not a judgment, but it, it, the kids in Colin of Arabia did not have that. And were just very square and said, Hey, uh, square about it and said, Hey, that's not, that's not what it is. Like we'd love to can't now. 
And, and I always kind of admired that. And I think we're going to be hearing that from, from a number of people moving forward. No, 100%. And I think, like, living in a city, like a big city, touring is, is almost impossible. You know, unless you're a bigger band, like you're not going to make enough money. Like you can't, you cannot live in New York City in any of the boroughs. And you know what I mean? But then you hear about like, oh, we live in like this band house in, yeah, um, like that band Chamber. I think they are, they live in, sure. in maybe Nashville. Yep. Tennessee, I think they have sure. a house together. Yep. So it's kind of like, all right, well, if you're paying 800 bucks a month to live outside of wherever the fuck it is, then it's feasible. But guess what? When you have five members that live in the city that whose probably monthly rent is eight thousand dollars, you can't you can't really do that. It's not you can't expect people to you know unless you live in the middle of the country and pay four hundred dollars a month in rent for yourself. And Tom, I was gonna say to you because I, I mean, you you were in a band who at one point you were able to pay your rent while living in New York, and it was a very different time, you know. Yep. Yep. But but like these are things you would consider, I'm sure. If you're looking at the whole book, and that said, your band and you guys just as people knowing this from from doing the podcast and talking to you about this stuff, you guys aren't the count every nickel, save every dime. It's like, yeah, we do this band because we love doing it. And we and you know when you were doing it as an actual like, hey, this is how I'm paying my rent. I'm sure it was a little different, but like, if you were offered a tour, and it was like, whoa, this is not. This is not going to do. This is just not going to cover anything. How? What? Yeah. What would you? How would you? Would you respond? Respond? Did you ever have that kind of situation happen? Um, we didn't. But I mean, if it was now, like if we would just have to say we couldn't do it, you know, and kind of really be clear and transparent, and be like, this is how much it costs us to live per month. You know what I mean? Like paying your rent is one thing, but it's like, I'd like to not eat ramen noodle. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. for every fucking meal or peanut butter, and, peanut butter and jelly. But I think you have to sort of really be honest. And it's people don't want to hear that because that's like the seedy underbelly of like what goes on in, in in art that it's like, yo, this costs money. Like, you know, like Patrick likes to make money, but it's not like he's like, you know, Scrooge McDuck over there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, the you know, like he, like a there's a certain player. amount of money that he needed to be able to pay rent or to like fill the fucking gas tank in the van or stay at a hotel room. Like there's so like, it's not, you know, 200 bucks goes very, very quickly. Not saying that they get 200 bucks, but I'm saying like in general, a band that gets $350 a night, which sounds like, hmm, I don't know. That's nothing. 250 yeah. a night is nothing. And even, I mean, even if we number that up, but like $250 a night, and if you're having to drive from city to city, what yeah. is the, this is a good question. We should, we probably could quantify this and this would be like, if I didn't, if I didn't have Easton and I was on quarantine, this is some shit I'd do. Um, is to take, I don't know, 20, 40, 60 tours. Look at the average drive time and distances. And come up with what the average drives are. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they were. I, I'm laughing because like a few of the MPB tours that we did that Pike booked. Yeah, there were some that it was like, "Hey, we're gonna drive for 18 hours without a show." Right. You right, know what right. I mean? So you're filling up. I mean, like we would go from like I forget what the ride. It was like a joke because it was like the same. It was like you'd go from like I think Denver to Seattle or something. Yep. yep. Or Boise, like something that it was like, "Yo, this is like 16 hours or something ridiculous." 
But that's like literally all he could get out there, and that's fine too. It's not his fault. But if you think about like, all right, so that costs us two hundred fifty bucks in gas, say. Right or yeah, right more. I mean, you could probably, I could probably find no itinerary, and we could go through it and be like, here's what it would cost. That, and, and that's the thing. Like, like I think about, you could probably look at Drug Church recent tours, where okay, the Thrice tour, and we won't get into numbers, but because you guys had the opportunity to be on a bigger tour like that, you guys actually had off dates, and those would have been long drives. You set up off date shows. But if you weren't able to do that, that's a day where you're not you're not getting paid, and you're spending, and you're spending, and yeah. you're traveling. You know, uh, but even the shows that are back to back, there was still long rides, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. Well, well, it's okay. not uncommon for things to be eight hours apart. You know. Well, I mean, because they go to sleep in their van, in their bus, so it's no it's no big deal to them. So, so the first half of the tour, we were looking at an average drive time of nine hours. Jesus. Um, so. so uh, and then there was certainly drives that were longer than that. Of course, on the East Coast, you're dealing with with shorter drives. Uh, but the the uh, uh, California up through uh, the Northwest into the Midwest, we were looking at an average drive time of nine hours. Um, yeah. Like so, like it's very like. Let's do something really quick. Phoenix to LA is six hours. Uh, Vegas to LA five and a half six hours. LA to the Bay six hours. Once you get outside of that, everything, in, once you cross past fucking Pennsylvania, starts to be really long drives. You really long in the drives. Midwest, but you're, you're just, yeah. you know. And can I, let me jump in on something right now because I can hear some of our, like, probably potentially younger, but maybe just DIY committed listeners. I can hear them in their head saying 250 sounds like a decent payout to me. Okay, Absolutely. let me just. Let me just address that real quick. Um, it 100% is a great amount of money if you are a newer band playing the Northeast uh, th- those num- and you're selling merch. All of those things can really be fine and you can all enjoy a two-week tour going down to uh, the Southeast uh, and, and on your way back and never going uh, – never driving more than four and a half hours and the two fifty is totally cool. Uh, because I know a lot of our listeners are in bands that never got paid more than a hundred bucks in their life. And so like, so, so so let me just, but let me just like give it to you so that you don't think we're, uh, that I actually am Scrooge McDuck and this is the fancy 1% podcast here. Um, two fifty when you are on a 30 day tour, if you're not selling merch, you should put a gun under your chin. You know what I mean? It is fucking rough. And, right. and, 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 and there's, you know, like, let's, let's put asterisks on that because you're right. But like, if you're 20 and you're going back home, sure. Doesn't matter. Doesn't right. matter. Well, you, your friends matter. coming for free to sell merch. That's cool. Yo, yeah, yeah it doesn't sure. matter. Yeah. You're, you're doing this. If you are in that small, this is the 1% is the, the people who are doing that. And like, that's the beauty. That's <laughs> I think you meant Pac, he was laying down. Yeah. <laughs> that is the magic time of all this and bless up because that's cool. But what we're talking about right now is the logistics of a thing. When it starts going beyond, Hey, we're going out for a month. Come home. Hey, do we have enough to pay the merch bill? Yep. Do we have any other money? Uh, nope. All right, cool. Let's do it again. That was fun. Now I'm going to go work at my retail job, or I'm going to go work at the gas station or the screen printing shop or wherever and go back to normal life 
for a few months so I can do this again. Yo, that's incredible. That's fucking magical. But there's a point where if you're going to continue doing this, that, that gets very hard. Yeah, and for, uh, we have like, a system where you can almost not have to do that. Not everyone, but people who do it. And that's kind of what we're talking about is the sustainability stuff and how that can be changed by all of this. Well, I feel like I'm a bad advocate for these things because uh, I mostly have my hair and, and I, uh, I, I don't look real. I don't look real fucked up. So like people don't realize that like, yo, with my current savings, I'm destined to die frozen to a park bench. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, 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 and like, so like, because I look fairly normal and, and like, I'm a happy guy and I don't look like I'm like the, like the third guitar player for phobia or, or, uh, uh, Mr. Chai pig or some shit. I don't look fucked up. Like I, I'm not a good advocate for what the lifestyle actually is, which is like, as you get older, it can be very, very financially difficult and looking at the future can be very grim. And so I think that people, people that are hearing our voice and being like 250 sounds decent. It's like, yo, it really does when you, when you are younger, but like to scale up in any meaningful way is that's, it's a literally frightening number. If that's what you had to, to survive on. I now, just did math. Yes. Well, yes, please. So if you literally played 365 shows mm-hmm. at $250 a piece. Yes. That brings you to $91,000 for the year. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you divide that by five people. If you don't literally pay a penny for gas, for somewhere to eat, stay, for uh, fucking Taco Bell, you get $18,000 each. Yes. <laughs> Which yes. pretty sick. You're like under the poverty line pretty much. That's yeah, a good oh. grounding. Let me throw one more grounding on this. Patrick, if you'll remember, there was a time before we recorded one time in your old place where we had a conversation that I still feel bad about, where we talked about the honesty of your bank account as an adult with your partner when you don't have any money. Oh, God. Do you remember this? Y- yeah. Like, yeah, of course. I I, uh, I was in a bad place during that entire early time that we were recording because uh, I had somebody that was relying on me to make the other part of the rent. And I, I have no problem telling a, a landlord you're not getting it until the 10th. You know what I mean? But I'll tell you, most girlfriends that aren't addicted to drugs don't want to play that fucking game with you. No, and the face when it was the conversation of us both speaking very honestly of like, oh, yeah, you know, sometimes it'll be down below 60. I'm not going to tell you that, you know, yeah. the account. And it's that I, I just remember the face and it was it was a little rough. Sorry about that. <laughs> but it, it I, I will say this, too. There was. Doing Sound and Fury Fest, I remember we got interviewed by someone who worked for the UCLA like student newspaper. And him being like, oh, you know, is this a really financially successful thing for you? Like, I know I'm not going to get into the specifics, but like, seems like it went really well, like a lot of people here. And I laughed and I literally pulled up on my BlackBerry at the time, my like bank account and was like, I have $8.15 in my checking account. Mm. And I don't have a savings account. <laughs> yeah, eight dollars is the magic number, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, but, but anyway, my point is that, like, yeah, it, it, I think what we're all saying is the same thing, which is, uh, hey, like, if you're in the sound of our voice and two fifty sounds good to you, then that's great. Nobody's knocking you, but it, it's a it's a hard lifestyle moving forward, and uh, more and more bands in the wake of this thing are going to be feeling that crunch. 
I, I know for a fact that like, okay, let's say that, well, drug church is going to have an LP coming out. So l- let's say that we've got a tour on that first. E- either, coming out like so, tomorrow, but he didn't tell us. No, no, no. So actually that's a great question. I'm going to speak on, <laughs> I'm going to speak honestly about this, uh, having not communicated directly with uh, pure noise on this matter yet, though. I know that they listen to this podcast in their office. So they're going to be hearing noise. this. What's up? Shout out to pure noise. Uh, they're going to be hearing this for the first time. Oh, um, I don't know when our record is coming out because the the time that it's supposed to come out, I'm going to need somebody to convince me that that's still a good idea. Do you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah. Okay, let, let, let's talk about this. You're real not quick. the only I, person in this boat, so tell yours, and then I'll share a friend's. Okay. So, uh, drug church is supposed to have a record out in, uh, for, uh, late summer, early, uh, uh, fall, um, and tours lined up, uh, to coincide with that. Um, records, ne- here's the push pull of everything guys. I had a, a friend of mine is the label manager for a, a bigger label than the ones that we typically talk about on this podcast. Uh, I hung out with him the other day and he was saying, you know, I see bands, uh, pull, pull their records, but we're full steam ahead. We're putting out releases left and right. And I said, you wouldn't put out mine because I would fight you fucking tooth and nail about putting out a record in the middle of a pandemic where I can't tour on it. And I saw somebody online argued with me, Hey, I don't agree. I, I don't want to misrepresent their argument. I think people remember if your record is good and, and will wait to see you. And Truly, I assure you that is not true. Um, like just speaking from experience, that's just not true. You need to promote your record and you do that in my world by touring. Uh, not every band needs to tour. Some bands don't even need need to promote a record. The fucking press just latches onto you and they'll do it for you. But for most people or most bands, you, you, you have to tour. So if I can't tour when my record's coming out, how do I expect there to be any heat around me to get a decent fucking get decent offers for my headliner and or uh, any offers for support because there's no heat around me. So uh, his solution right now, because uh, I told him that I said, there's under no circumstance would I allow you to put out a record right now for me. And he said, okay, well the fine print is that I'm offering bands uh, EPs right now to, to fill the gap. And I said, okay, that makes total sense. Like, if you can offer me an equitable deal on an EP where, so everybody that doesn't know EPs are often label scams, uh, because they don't count against your, uh, total records that you need to get out of a contract. So yeah. you're, you're giving away content, uh, to that label and it's not moving the goalpost or it's not moving you any closer to the, to the end zone rather, uh, on getting out of the contract and either renegotiating for a better deal or moving on if that's what you want to do. So EPs, I love EPs. I think EPs are great. I put them out a lot, but in terms of a record contract, they can be a total pitfall. So I didn't get into the weeds with my friend. If he was scumbagging these bands on his label or not by, if I was to put out an EP for somebody, I would want a really good deal on that EP. I would say, okay, like let's figure it out. So this is equitable for me because I'm going to give you songs that could go towards an LP that would help me get out of the contract that I'm currently in so that we could n- negotiate based on what I've made for you thus far. Uh, or, uh, I can't do this for you because it's, or, or count it towards it, which they'll never do. But so, uh, so anyway, uh, the point of me saying all that is 
uh, I my record coming out this fall. If there's no way to tour until the later half of or midway point of 2021, then I'll sit on a great record and just continue writing. You know what I mean? Like, and the record can come out when people can tour. Uh, I, I don't. Unless you want to give me money for two records, and sorry, this is not addressed directly to Pure Noise. I'm just speaking speculatively right now. If you give me money for two records, I'll go record two records. But I can't have, I can't have months of my life tied up with a thing that dies on the vine. I've talked about this a million times on this podcast. For our young listeners who just want an LP, want an LP, want an LP, there's nothing more creatively discouraging than putting as much as an L- a good LP warrants and then having it die with no eyes on it. So I have learned my lesson. I only want to put out LPs when I'm able to tour. And that might be a major problem, not just for my band, but for a number of bands this fall and winter. I, I mean, I've heard it from no less than three. And one who already has the record recorded, who went to their label and was like, yo, we don't want this to come out now. And they're like, well, you know, I think it'll still do good. No, please don't. Here's our reasons. And it, you know, disagreement label res- was respectful of it. Um, and then others who were in the midst of like getting ready. And it's like, what do we do? Do we put it out? Because even if it does well, like, yo, we just saw that mind force record do really well. Really well. Told, maybe the best, uh, you know, immediate release for a triple B record ever, you know, which is impressive. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs. So your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake. 
and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. But does that, what, what's the tale look like on all this? And what does this look like in two months as just discussed about discretionary income. So, uh, I, I understand apprehension. I I mean, anybody making plans right now, it's tough. And that kind of circles me back to what I was, what we were talking about with, with booking agents, you know, in this larger world, booking agents are two things. They're planners and they're also time travelers. Booking agents live six months in front of us at all times. Mm Mm-hmm. That's where their business is. If they're not planning that, they're fucking up. If they're not three months at least, they're fucking up. They're not putting in holds beyond that, they're fucking up. And they are planners because they need to make plans. And right now, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of plans being made basically because it's like the only thing to keep sane. What are we going to do? Oh, Lean I, in I, and go, we'll, let's just wait, you know? I, I've I've got a booking agent friend who's booked the same tour four times. It keeps getting canceled. He's doing it just to maintain his sanity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but it, but really, it's he knows they're going to get canceled every time. Yep. So, so anyways, that's that's I, uh, that's where we're at. I mean, I think for records, especially for a band like Pat's, like I get like the kind of hesitance because, like, however it does is actually like would re- will reflect what offers you get in the future and all that sort of stuff. I think like, you know, if you're a fucking punk band and you're putting out a fucking seven inch, it doesn't really matter. It sucks. Like, you know, Mind no. Force has all the yeah. heat right now. You're not going to hear those songs for fucking six months in person. Yeah. At right. least. And- but I think like there's that band. I mean, not that they're germane to I'm using password germane to what we, t- what we talk about on here. I've been as um, uh, August Burns red. August Burns Red, yeah. They had a record in the can. You know, it was supposed to come out around now. Yep. The 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 um label kind of deferred to them. They were like, you know what? People were stuck at home, they need music, let's put it out. Okay. And comparatively, it shit the bed. Really? I mean, not like I mean so No, but just, just comparatively. Yeah. But like, you know, if the last record was like number four in the charts, this one was like forty eight or something. Like it was right. something along those lines. But, I mean, a band like that, you know, if there's a fucking big metal tour next summer at some shed, yep. are they going to look at that and it's going to, like, fuck them? I think for, like, a, you know, like a fucking hardcore band, you know, if, like, fucking Blind Justice had a fucking record in the can. Sure. You know, it wouldn't matter as much because people are stoked on their stuff. It's not – they're not looking to, like, jump no, on exactly. that, that they have to show numbers and, you no, know. The only like, fear the only fear at that point is just being lost or, or it being, like – Hey, remember that band who put out a record that was pretty good six months ago and not being able to catch that immediate energy and excitement. 
Right. Like, it sucks. That's the only thing. And I think, I mean, I really appreciate and like, you know, we're, we're continuing business as usual. We're doing our extra grind live sets. They're all, we got a bunch in the can. Um, so unless this, unless this lasts for another eight months, we'll be able to keep putting stuff out there. But, but it, it's tough. I mean, if you're, if you're a hardcore band, don't be worried about it. Put out new music. What I'm telling people is keep writing, be creative with that right. shit. Like you got well, time, you know, keep doing I, that shit. I, I also don't see any reason not to put out material right now. I think you should put out material right now. I don't think you should put out LPs right now. I, I, I think that anything that you would need to tour to promote is foolhardy as hell to put out at this exact moment. Don't get me wrong. You might get some people that are interested because it, it might cut through the noise right now of people looking for something. It, we, you can make all right. these arguments, and I'm, sh- right. and I'm sure labels are. And by the way, everybody, so we're clear, labels have to keep their lights on. So their labels have to put material out. That might seem insane to you if you don't understand basic math, but they have to continue putting stuff out. So you can't be mad at the label for wanting to release stuff that is finished. Um, that said, I think that bands would be smart at this point to either put out singles ahead of the LP. Like for example, drug church has been very successful with putting out singles like Drake style, like a fucking half year ahead of, uh, of a release just to keep people engaged. Right? Like it's worked for us. It doesn't mean it would work for everybody, but if, and self-defense is putting out a fucking single a month or a single a, a week while this whole thing is going on. So there, I th- I'm a believer in putting out material right now. Be engaged and have everybody remember that you fucking exist. But to put out an LP uh, d- during the middle of the bubonic plague seems uh, fucking idiotic to me. What do you think um, of the, dr- the po- possibility of drive-in concerts? Uh, I don't I mean, want to reflect... I don't want to reflect on it because it makes, uh, I'm in a place, I'm on the 15th floor right now and I, I just don't want to think too much about that sort of shit. Got it. I, uh, I also think Tom, you're, you're the August burdens are at example is a good one because streams are down. Streaming is down across. It's crazy. Like what the fuck is everybody doing? Well, they're not that's, that's, working and they're not commuting. It's it's more about what they're not doing. That's and true. There. For a lot of people, and I mean, yo, this is true in podcasts too. Um, there's a lot of listeners and people who have that routine, who it's now stopped. So maybe they're at home watching TV. Maybe they're, you know, it's just it's they're engaging really differently. So there was an immediate shock, and maybe there's some normalization, but it's still down. Right. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like, if you're like, you know, you live with your partner or you live with kids yeah. and stuff, are you fucking blasting as Bur- you know August Burns Red in your fucking house? No, but you might be able to do it in your hour car ride, car ride to work in the morning. Exactly. And you might do that every day on your hour car ride to work and home, every ten hours a week. You know. Right. So, right. 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 So See? that's that's one part. The other part is. Record stores are non-essential. From what I understand, most record stores are closed, closed, closed. So we all know what the difference in the what streams count towards record sales. It's fractional. Yeah. So so it's so funny and exactly what you guys have been saying and what like people may give an asterisk to August Burns Red on this, but not everyone. And most people are going to look at it and go, "Oh, see, fell off." Right, and oh, they're going to use it against you even with an asterisk. Eh, you know. 
even with like, an asterisk, they're gonna be like, "Fuck you!" Last time you only sold twenty five thousand records. Like they're gonna. I mean, people are inherently evil with this sort of shit, and oh, they will use that against you. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe, but it's trending down anyways. And it's like, right, right. How do you yeah. argue? You know, right. And and Hatebreed, we talked about, made the right decision for their band, in my view, by uh, delaying a release because, like as you said, streaming counts for a percentage. And uh, and just a percentage, whereas actual album sales uh, count for more. And if you're Hatebreed, uh, and we're not, I I have to assume that Hatebreed does okay on mail order, uh, but not that's not their chief business, nor is it for a band like August Burns Red. Uh, those yes, are retail sellers. Those are retail sellers. So uh, everybody, I know that many of our listeners don't think most of this shit applies to you, but as Tom said, a lot of it is canary in the coal mine sort of shit, particularly with venues, uh, but also uh, w- with physical releases. Physical releases right now, like thank thank God for our fucking sponsors who all offer you something that you can get mail order at a decent price and hardcore kids know to go mail order. That's great. But record stores, record stores are still very relevant to a lot of people. If just for the fucking experience. And, uh, when those are, there's going to be a certain person that never, not never, but they're not going to buy a record during this. Right. Is that fair? Like they're not going to buy a record. My uh-huh. sister's a, a pretty civilian, right? Like, they're buying a record when they're in Target for something else, and they go, oh, shit, the new Taylor Swift came out. I'll buy that. Right, right. They're not going – they're not the folks that are like, record came out on Friday, first thing Saturday morning, and I'm going to the record store to pick that record up. Right. The CD. So, fuck, you know what I mean? Like, I think – like, that's a lot of people that are more like opp- opportunistic shoppers that kind of just buy st- – like, no one's fucking – like, no one's – you know, I'm sure yeah. Amazon doesn't even sell that many records comparatively. Well, well, let's let, let, let's talk about that real quick. Is uh, this is another thing that all of our listeners should be aware of? By listening to this podcast alone, you are demonstrating a deeper engagement with the material and and the way that the material is sold than ninety nine percent of the people in the world. So there is a difference between you, the cons- the highly informed consumer, and everybody else. So, so that's always important to remember because I always think, oh, like we see this with, with our actual podcast where we assume everybody involved in hardcore already knows what this shit is. But then we, read, we meet people that are like dyed-in-the-wool hardcore kids that are unfamiliar with what we do. And it's like, yo, that's because there's some people that are not living on the internet. Some people don't fucking are – they're not having these conversations in social media, et cetera, et cetera. So like yeah. y- you got to assume that there's a lot of those people, more than you could ever imagine, really. So uh, a, a thing to bear in mind when it comes to uh, like how people even hear about records. It's – and I mean here's the deal. There's some people who have been going to the same website to order records – for the past 25 years, you know, or 26, 24 years, you know, as long as the internet's been around and that worked for them. So that's what they do or the same, you know, and then you pull that back and there's people who've been going to the same record store since whenever. And now that that's closed, they might be searching and not know, you know, so it's, it's a really, all this stuff is fascinating and it's going to be really interesting to see where we come out on the other side. Um, do you guys have anything else or do you want to get into some questions here? I got a few questions. Um, the one thing I want to talk about with the great Scott stuff, clothing, closing and all that sort of stuff, something that came to mind when you had mentioned it earlier, 
to me and Patrick and Bob can also, you know, tell me I'm wrong, but I think a, um, a consistent venue is more important than any band. You could have the biggest hardcore band in the world in your town. If there is not a venue that has a show every other Sunday, it doesn't matter. And I think like as much as, you know, if you can find a good place, you know, whether it be a fucking venue like Great Scott that's, you know, got the, you know, has gotten the memo and is a decent place to to consumer and band alike. Or if you have, you know, you know, say in, in Bob's Town, they hustle and they find the next place. If you have a place that you can consistently have shows, that is more important than having any band. You could have the worst bands in fucking in the world, but if you have somewhere that people can go on a regular basis, that's really all you need. And I think that's an incredible. I mean, I think when the city, when New York City started, you know, losing the Coney Island highs and the wetlands and CBGBs and all this sort of stuff, you know, and even Santos, like where, where, when you're like, when you're like, hey, we're coming to play New York, you're not playing in Manhattan. You don't play Manhattan anymore. You play Brooklyn. And that's fucking crazy. That was never, right. never the thing. You know what I mean? But like Brooklyn was able to kind of pick, you know, pick up that mantle. But like there are no more places like that. And I think like – and that's why there's no New York hardcore scene in reality. There's a bunch of people that live around the city. But like they, no one goes to shows in New York because they, they don't exist. Oh, if we're talking about Manhattan, they don't exist on any level. I, I, right. I, I haven't heard of a, of a proper Manhattan hardcore show in how fucking long. I mean – Last black and blue at like Webster. Yeah, right. That, yeah right. Those are the only like, events. And I mean, that's in before that. What it, it goes back to Santos, right? Right. I mean, yeah. like Webster also had like you know those two middle like that middle room like where we went where me and you Pat went to go see like Code Orange and like Madball played there. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like I've seen Bane there. Like you know, that's so they right. had yeah, some yeah, yeah. like the Marlin room, and then they had the basement at Webster Hall, or whatever. But like, think about like you know. They used to have shows at uh, like the knitting, the knitting factory and all this sort of stuff. All those places got pushed out. But I mean, like there would have been times, and like I would tell people not to get in my old man soapbox, but they would literally be able to do two giant shows in New York City at the same time. Like I very familiar. I remember uh, Kill Your Idols was playing with like maybe Good Riddance at uh, Coney Island High, and Indecision was playing Wetlands with. Crown of Thorns and like Fury of Five or something. You could legitimately tell the Kill Your Idol show ended because I remember standing on stage like setting up and just seeing like hundreds of people walking in. Like yes. it was enough to like kind of, you know, there were people in the city from the island that went to go see Kill Your Idols and they're like, oh, well, we'll go by and see Kill Your you know, Indecision and Crown of Thorns, whatever. Like it was big enough so, to, to support both, which is insane. Like think about that now. Yeah, no, I, I, well, I can't think of it. It's, it's I mean, inconceivable now, but yeah. I, I uh, yeah, I'll say that the, I think, ever, I think probably most people know this, but, but the healthiest the scene is, is at that magic moment where you have a local about to go national, uh, and you have a solid venue. And, and yeah. that is, that, that is when everything is firing on all cylinders. People are coming like you have that strong local that people come out for every two months that you, everybody's excited about. And this, and you have a venue that is like their home base and that yep. is the, be the best you can hope for. But I agree with you fully, Tom, 
it, it starts with venue. It starts with the consistency of venue. Then you can actually have bands. And like, look, I have we, a follow up question. For that. Oh, sure. But no, we all finish. know. Uh, go, go on. No, no, please finish. I'm sorry. You finish. That. Uh, I got a thing and we'll get back. We all know of a circumstance where like, like the band is the band created the scene quote unquote, but it's rare that those are particularly strong. You need a combination of these two things. And, uh, yeah, I, I really think that if anybody's in the sound of our voice not taking the venue die off seriously, mm. uh, then you're being entirely, you're being a dick. <laughs> you're just being a dick because you don't got to give a fuck about what I do like 500 caps. Maybe you don't give a fuck about anything that could fill a 500 cap. Maybe you don't care at all. But if I, if I'm starting to invade your fucking basement scene and then your basement bands don't fucking play, yo, that you don't want that either. Right. So like become, basement scene becomes a crawl space scene. Right. Yeah, exactly. So like, it, it, like everything getting pushed downward is not good. Like they say a rising tide raises all ships. Like, yo, the opposite occurs. <laughs> and so, so we got to look just out. Wrote some lyrics there, brother. Yes. Um, yo, uh, you, you posed the question. I thought it was really good. What's better, a big, the biggest band or a consistent, active, good venue? There's no contest it's the consistent, active, good venue, but I had to think about it. And I really had to think about it because I was like, well, you know, when a big, big hardcore band comes in, they'll pull out everyone and then they'll get people to travel. But that's just one show. Right. Right. And my question, too, that I post to you guys, and maybe this can be a question for another day, but just think on it. Are there local bands anymore? Oh, no. hey, let's freeze right there. Don't even opine. That's a fantastic <laughs> question. Okay. Yeah, this is a. I recently had this as a big fight, so we can get into it sometime soon. All right, that's that's our next that's the next recording. This is the three of us. Are there even local bands anymore? All right, and not not in the like. Of course, there are local bands, but yeah. like the you know like oh shit. When we go to Chicago, we're playing with so and so from Chicago. Right. right. This the is gonna band be who, if fun. if yeah. you don't play with them in the the city, you'd be like, Fuck. hey, why didn't blank play? Right. Everybody, what we really mean when we say, are there local bands? Again, Tom said, uh, obviously, what we mean is, are there local flag bearers for a region, for a city? Are there local bands that matter at this moment? There's going to be people who come up with an answer immediately, one way or the other, and cite a thing. And I I mean, I could do that too. I think all three of us could go, yes, and give an example, and could also say no and give some examples. Think about both things and then right. come at that middle ground. That's that's where our conversation is going to be. Fantastic question, Tom. That's Thank you. Very, yeah, I mean, just like, for example, for people, like, Pat can speak to this. Like, One King Down, right? Before mm-hmm. they were a touring band, they were the band that played in Albany. That Every two months. Every two months. Con- consistently. And, and then you got to be like, oh, shit, we're playing fucking or, you know, fucking throw down in 18 divisions in California. Before they were touring everywhere. They would fucking play a local show. There'd be 800 kids. And you'd yep. be and like, if you happen to be on tour and be able to play those shows, they were fucking tour changers. And you were playing, yeah, you were playing in front of kids who wouldn't have been there if it was just your band on the show. Exactly. You might not, you might not play, bef- you, that's a good example too, is where it's like a national band is going to play Albany, but One King Down is either playing after them and getting a bit of reaction or playing before them and smoking them. Happened yeah. a, happened a dozen times in my life. 
So, so that's that's the local band question. Yes. Um, are there even local bands anymore? Frame it like that. We'll we'll get to it this month. Okay. Um, all right. We got a couple good questions, and we talked kind of on the more esoteric, but like not. We we kept it from getting too doom and gloom. I think. Yeah. I, I think I think there's a genuine chance of a renaissance for people that want a certain type of basement experience or like underground or whatever. Uh, I think there's a real chance for a Renaissance at another, at a later date, we can talk about my concerns or misgivings about, about what, that silver line uh, about that as well. But, but I think that there is a chance that things work out really great. The example that people keep using is that, uh, after the, uh, after the plague was the Renaissance, right? Like, so, so, so yeah. like th- there's always a chance that's that we throw away some of, uh, the, the intellectual shackles because we say, I don't give a fuck anymore. And, and we go start harder. Yeah. yeah. And go hard. Yeah. There's always a chance. All right. Uh, Matthew asks, not hardcore, but have you considered doing a Pearl Jam dive while comparing it to what was happening at the time in hardcore? Uh, love the pod, blah, blah, blah. Thanks for everything. Matthew, thank you. Uh, I don't think we've considered doing a Pearl Jam dive. I would be open to it. I love Pearl Jam. I, I also don't know. love Pearl Jam. I, I know you guys do. I don't love Pearl Jam, but I like, uh, 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 like a lot of it. I will, And I actually admire their career more than most bands of their size. Um, uh, did how you guys you not? It, no. How can you not? Did you see the video that was getting shared around uh, hardcore Twitter of uh, uh, of uh, Pearl Jam in ninety one? Uh, yeah, it's one of the first shows. Yeah, it's fantastic and, and it, it fantastic and really gives you an idea. Like I know that this is lost on a lot of people. We've talked about it. There's a style of post hardcore that is not post hardcore. It's not the music of post hardcore. It's just. Hardcore kids post the ba- post their hardcore bands, and right. that's Pearl Jam. And, <laughs> I mean, yeah, and some that, of exactly hardcore, for sure, for certain. Uh, and that was a ton, a ton of of the fucking Minneapolis, Seattle, a, a ton of these fucking bands. Any uh, civilian band that people still kind of like were mostly based on hardcore hits, whether it be fucking Pearl Jam or Death Cab for Cutie or fucking Lucero or fucking. They all came from punk and hardcore. Yeah. It, it, it's, I mean, it's a common story. If yeah. you like Pearl Jam or don't really like Pearl Jam, but you're interested in them, the the Bill Simmons podcast, a podcast that's like <laughs> a similar level size to Axe to Grind, I guess. I, comparable. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know. Comparable. Um, but they did a he did an interview with uh, Eddie and Jeff, and it's fantastic. And they delve into their mutual admiration for the bad brains and basketball cards. So it's, it's a pretty good one. <laughs> so Bob was sold. It, it, it right hit some the fucking sweet spots for me. Um, so <clears throat> thank you for that question. Uh, we probably won't do a full episode on Pearl Jam, but if me and Bob could do one, yeah, Although, we definitely you know what, I fell might, off maybe because... that'll be the addendum on our, our sports podcast. We'll talk a little Pearl Jam. Sure. Um, all right. Hey guys, my name's Adam, and I run a small new DIY label based in Denver called Convulse Records. Uh, shout out to Convulse Records. I've heard a lot of good things and checked out some of the stuff they put out. It's really good. A couple months ago, we put out a record for a band called Goon from here. The record is called Natural Evil, including a link. Blah, blah, blah. Um, it's, really, it's good. Everybody should check out that band Goon. It's got its own energy going on. Kind of snot 
fast and very aggressive. Right. Uh, I'd also love some advice for starting a new punk hardcore label. We've put around 14 releases now, and I've mostly just been making shit up as I go. Is starting a label in 2019, 2020 the worst idea or just a pretty bad one? What country should I flee to to take, get out of paying back all this debt? Also, curious what everyone thinks about cassettes at this point. I personally think a cassette release should be reserved for demos or short releases that bands or labels don't want to press, but some people have asked for us to make tapes for things. Uh, let me put this. I personally think a cassette release should be reserved for demos or short releases that bands or labels don't want to press. But some people have asked us to make tapes for things we're also pressing, which seems silly to me. When should bands, labels make tapes in 2020? Is making a tape for something you can stream or buy an LP of unnecessary? Uh, love the podcast. Thanks for your service. Adam, P.S. Everything Patrick says about Denver is mostly fair. I've lived oh. most of my life in Wyoming and Colorado, and the cold and snow is fucking terrible. No one should live like this. <laughs> I, this we got this at the end of February. I wonder if he was in like three feet of snow. Yeah, so, well, Adam, thank thanks, for the, th- thanks for the questions. So let me run down the question portion of this. Is starting a label in 2019, 2020 the worst idea or just a pretty bad one? Pretty bad. Pretty bad. I wouldn't say worst. But pretty no, bad. I wouldn't say worst. Pretty bad. Um, just be considerate of the uh, cost ratio of it and, you know, in your personal situation. Yo, like. Oh, your limitations. Right. And know what you feel comfortable with and know the people you're working with and have fun with it. And, you know, uh, people who haven't checked out our Patreon, thank you to everybody who is a member. You should go to patreon.com slash grind podcast. Sign up. You can hear our episode and one of eight, 70 something hours of Patreon episodes we've done. Um, but we just had a conversation with Brian, uh, a friend of the pod who, who talked about how important to him as a, a pretty avid record collector. It is that, that records look good as well as sound good and everything works together. And, uh, I'm a pretty big proponent of that as well. I think that if you're going to do a label in 2020 and moving forward, think about the reasons you're doing it and keep that in mind. Every step, are you doing it just to get the music out? All right, cool. That's cool. Um, but in 2020, Bandcamp's pretty good for that, and you don't have to spend that much money to do that. Uh, are you doing it because you want to make something cool? All right, cool. Are you doing it because you just want to put music on physical media? All right, cool. Just think about all that stuff. It's simple. Um, what country should he flee to to get out of paying back all this debt? Tom, you start, and then Patrick can give his 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 answer because he's got a few, I'm sure. Um, I would probably say. Um what are the extradition rules with like Australia? I'd go Ireland or Australia. Right. So as, assuming that you didn't commit a crime to, to get this money, uh, the, you're not going, you're not getting, ex, uh, they don't extradite you for own money. Nah. All right. Good. Uh, and there's no, I mean, there's no debtors prison in the U S you could feel free to fucking be broke here. Yeah. But the, the, uh, yeah. I think I, I, there's a website, um, I, I forget what it is. You'd have to look it up like cheapest to live or something like that, which, which breaks down which countries in the world are, are cheapest to live and still maintain somewhat of a, of a Western, uh, uh, style lifestyle. Um, and my current favorite, I really loved Cambodia and I could, I would live in Cambodia. Uh, sure. 
but uh, my current favorite is Albania. Uh, mm-hmm. Albania is the cheapest spot in Europe with access to a beach, uh, and is you'd look in, you're looking at rent in a really nice place for 900. You're looking at rent an average rent of 400. Um, Doesn't it get and, cold though? Uh, no, yeah. Albania does not get as cold as you think. It, it, not, it's actually not colder than Denver. It's it's no, not true. it's not Mediterranean, but it's it's cold. it's on it's on yeah. the it's like uh, is, northern mid Atlantic. Kind of thing. It's on what the Aegean or the black? Which one is it? The uh, not on the Aegean. It's on the. Is it on the? Uh, no, because it's Croatia. Maybe it's on the very tip of the Aegean before. I think it's. Uh, isn't it opposite Greece or am I crazy? Hold on. Albania is north of Greece, isn't it? Uh, I'll let you know right now. Um, Greece then Turkey, north of Greece. Is it north? Hey, oh, of Greece sorry, sorry, sorry. Croatia. This, this is why we're stupid as fuck. The. Okay. Uh, Adriatic. Oh uh, yeah. Sure. So so it. Uh, it's the Aegean, it's, and then the Adriatic's on the other side. So Greece to the south of it, you're right, uh, and uh, uh, Kosovo to the to the north. Um, so so to me, if you go look up on uh, YouTube, Albania, they'll like. There's just the beaches are fucking crazy. It's gorgeous, uh, and the the. Uh, what it costs to live there is, is small. Uh, I'm, I w- look, I can't live there because, um, like it would be hard. Like I, it would be hard to have a romantic life of any type, but I would love to live in, uh, Bangladesh. Uh, I think that there's just something cool about it. And, uh, it, it's hella colorful in a way that I like where everything's visually engaging. Um, so Bangladesh would be a cool spot for me but not for everybody, obviously. But if you want the best of the West while still being uh, able to live on next to nothing, like let's say, like not to be morbid, but I, I, through a pension, I get a small payout when my folks die. I could live off of it in Albania. That's fucking crazy because it's not very much money. So, so like I, I, uh, I urge everybody to look into spots like Albania. Uh, I think you can also stay for a full year as a Westerner on a visa. So uh, Albany to Albania, the Patrick Kinlan autobiography. There you go. So Albania is my answer. Uh, my, my, I'm not going to assume you're poor. I'm just assuming you just don't want to pay these debts. So um, I'm saying the south of France. Fuck it. Oh, very good. Uh, all right. What everyone thinks of cassettes at this point. He basically asked, uh, should they be limited to demos and short releases? Or should they be just another option on the plate, like LPCD cassette? I'm going to give an answer that is boring and, and, uh, not a hot take. Whatever people are willing to pay for. That's true. Uh, people were buying cassettes hot three or four years ago. I think that's cooled off a bit. I would tread away from them, except exactly what you're saying. I I like the idea that they should be exclusive, uh, exclusive releases. Uh, you know, and that's not a hard, fast rule, but if they're, exclusive on there you know and maybe even if that's like uh maybe there's a vinyl and a cassette um some people some people like cassettes um but yeah, at I mean, that point some you, you can do whatever yeah i mean i think some people have like i mean i know particularly like as a kid my first real introduction to music was cassette so like i have like i hold some sort of like um you got a warmth yeah yeah you know but i i agree it shouldn't be like Back in the day, it would be like coming out on LP, CD, and cassette. Like, that's fucking crazy. But, you know, 
like we just did um bitter melody is like a label out of north carolina they just did like 50 or 100 copies of the first indecision record on cassette like that makes sense like it's like yeah you can't go get that cd anywhere so it doesn't matter but like you know and he sold through them and that's fine you know what i mean like i don't think you should do 500 of them but if you do 100 of them and you will you know but i have a soft spot in my heart for cassettes yeah yeah, I, I enjoy cassettes. First, first releases I bought were cassettes. Um, I also, I'm not. I think that was a kind of a wave of that, and we might be past it. Um, and it's neat to see people still do it, and I love seeing demo cassettes. Do you guys remember the CDR demo phase? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was ugly. Yep. Not Mostly good. just, and it's not not a fault to people making the CDs. It's just that it was a hard mix where it was like easy to burn CDs or get them made super cheap. And then the packaging sucked. Oh, sucked so bad for so for, uh, rarely so bad. something you wanted to keep. Yeah. Um, okay. Da, da, da. Have we answered this? Um, Bill asks. I purchased this kombucha today, and it got me <laughs> thinking. It's Coca Cola still the Edgman's drink of choice? Has it been replaced by flavored seltzer? Personally, I don't trust quote-unquote natural flavoring and opt for or original seltzer with a splash of orange or lemon juice. We know where Patrick stands on kombucha, but what, where does the rest of the community think? This one was clearly noted alcohol extracted. Oh. You don't uh, extract, dude. So, uh, I think, I think, this, uh, I think we're, this is the choice of a Europe generation out here. Maybe. I mean, I think I think people are starting to see Coke and soda as more of a treat. Oh, for sure. You know, uh, I'll admit, in quarantine, I've been I've been sipping some soda because it's just like if the world's ending, fuck it. I want to be able to, to have one last Coke. <laughs> yeah, uh, this isn't gonna engender me any goodwill in the South, but if you're drinking soda like on the regular. Your your public schools are underfunded. Uh, love love soda, but yeah, yeah probably so. I guess it's probably flavored seltzer as a whole. That seems like it's really taken hold. Definitely. All right. Um. This, um. All right. Mm, Ryan writes us uh, thanks and praise to Bob for bringing up the where they talk seven inch by ignite. I love that seven inch so much. And the way it seems like a cross between uniform choice, unity stuff with drifting in good poll, by the way, especially since I think Ran Randy sang on both as I've been catching up on back episodes, I've noticed a pr pronounced disdain on the part of Patrick for ignite since Patrick loves Slapshot so much though. And I love them both. I wanted, to, I would ask him this. I just want to know how Ignite ripped Patrick off and why he hates Ignite so much. My phone number is... And I'm just wondering why Pat is so negative and violent towards, you know, people who have the same beliefs as him. And if Pat could answer my question, that'd be great. Uh, I've been saving that one for a while. Serious, love the podcast. Laugh all the time. When Tom threatened to break Pat's legs before the Magnitude live set podcast gold. Uh, says other nice stuff. So thank you. Proud Patreon supporter, Ryan. Thank you very much, Ryan. So, uh, Pat, why do you hate Ignite so much? And why are you so negative and violent towards 
people who have the same beliefs as you. Which beliefs is he, is this person referring to? I don't uh, uh, like in general. I think it's the uh, the the C foundation that Zoli supports. The uh, oh, Sea Shepherds. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, for the record, I'm not mad at Zoli. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Z- Zoli seems like a chill dude to me. Uh, is it uh, Brett? Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not him. It's one of the other guys. Um, no, I'm not mad at, uh, listen, I'm not mad at Ignite as dudes, uh, just as I'm not mad at Downset, you know what I mean? Aside from maybe like wasting my time on occasion, but like the, the uh, I'm not mad, just because I rip something don't mean I'm mad at it, uh, but I, I will, you know what, the, comparing Ignite to Slapshot, that's not crazy, but like there's a decided difference in at least one respect, and that's the fucking vocals, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Z- Z- Zoli's vocals... You gotta really fucking like whatever the fuck that is to like it. And if it doesn't hit your, if it hits your ears the way it hits my ears, uh, which is uh, like an ice pick, uh, it's never gonna work. So, uh, are we calling this dude up? Or are you calling Zoli? I mean, yo, what if I just had Zoli's phone number and we hadn't used it already? <laughs> For the record, I don't got a problem with anybody that's like a beefy, like 240 uh, and and prone to punching men in the chest. I'm not I'm not mad at anybody like that. I'm just saying uh, the music to me is ass. Uh, Hey, Ryan, it's Bob from Axe to Grind. We're going to uh, we were going to call you and have you on, but maybe we'll do that some other time. Pat, really quick, you just went through why, but but let's give him a quick personalized voicemail. Um, why is it in you know pretty quick that you dislike Ignite so much? It is Zoli stole my girl, and it's on. Hope to hear from you soon. <laughs> All right, yo, Zoli stole my girl is a great <laughs> 1998 <laughs> pop punk song for sure. And it definitely happened. <laughs> and Zoli stole my girl. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. It's, it's really catchy. All right, um, Riley asks, did we answer rival schools? I feel like we didn't, but all right. I think we did answer somebody that asked, why is rival schools so awesome? It's, <laughs> obvious, it's obviously, uh, obviously Walter's best. Yeah. Uh, and we said, yeah, okay, we did that one. Sorry, that's a, said, sitting here. All right, we let's, said, damn, let's, it really might be. Let's close it out. We, we're, we've been going long here, haven't we? Yeah, we're good. All right. Our, our greetings from our buddy Mike from Virginia Beach. At the end of Shutter Island, is Teddy crazy or is the island up to no good? We answered this one. And we answered, we, and so here's the deal. Uh, shout out to Virginia Beach, uh, RIP to Shaka's Live. Uh, and uh, Shutter Island, uh, we all kind of agreed, hey, I don't remember. <laughs> Sorry, there's there's a mess of the mailbag got kind of mixed up here. Hold on one second. I got one. I definitely have another one. Uh, Mike is religious with his emails. Here, here we go. Could you beat a 30 pound rat in a fight? Oh, I don't know. They got big teeth, man. That'd be kind of tough. Yeah, that'd be ca- I'm confident you know- in myself, but I'm also not confident that I wouldn't get bit really bad. Like that might be the inciting, like, all right, now I'm going to end this. 
Right. I mean, you might win in minute, but you might have like rabies after. Oh, no question. And I mean, like it could be a Ninja Turtle situation. Like I start, I'm splinter afterwards. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're you're undergoing a genetic mutation afterwards for sure. Question. So the answer, quick answer is, I'm I'm a light yes. I think that's like a Wolverine. I think thirty pounds is fucking big, man. I I, I think uh, it's not a small dog. That's a that's a medium sized dog. Yeah, but it's it's built for war. I know. You know what I mean? what's, um, what's the tail length on that thing? Oh, I, I we're also making some weight uh, mass distribution assumptions. If it's just a rat, the same size that it is, it's just super dense. I think I can de- deal with that. I don't know if it's su- if it's thirty pounds but small, then it, when it jumps on you, you'd you'd it'd be like getting hit with a brick. You know, true too. <laughs> it can't chase you. It's fat. So yeah, wait, true. wait a second. Uh, here's a question: Would you prefer to live in a house with with a rodent or with a snake? Oh, like like, like in your wall, like house. like not not like a pet, but in your walls. I mean, a rodent, and I would just exterminate them see i don't mind rodents at all like like a rat obviously you got to get rid of because then like it's scaring people that come to your house a mouse mice are welcome at my place Uh, this is if you have mice you could drop them off at my place i don't give a shit i like mice but a snake i also wouldn't be too mad at i don't think i mean snakes are i mean as long as you're not getting bothered by it but Snakes aren't meant. They're looking for food. You know what I mean? They're going to be on the hunt for food in your house. Yeah, but what do you think? That's going to be like your big toe? Nah, I don't think so. But they're they're looking for ro- – if there's a snake, there's probably rodents. That's the deal. Oh, okay. But maybe that's your friend then. I mean, until there's no more rodents and then he doesn't – if he doesn't – like what you're saying is there's a snake. He's a permanent resident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's chilling in your walls No, no different than anybody else. I'll tell a story real quick. Revelation has a cool location they've been in for a long, long time. But it's like standard warehouse style. So sometimes things happen, especially in California, Southern California, where you get rats. You ever see those beautiful palm trees? Guess what lives in there? Crazy rats. Crazy Crazy rats. rats. Um, So I had the job more than once of having the stomach to clean up the large rat traps. Oh, no. Not 30 pounds, but maybe half that, I'd say. Oh. So, you know, I'm not, I guess I'm not afraid. But, yeah, a 30-pound rack has used some damage. If you were bit by a monkey, would you get a rabies vaccine? Depends on how much of an asshole the monkey was. This came up when I was in Cambodia because I got bitten by monkeys, and I was like, fuck it. And then it, but it gets in the back of your head. Because rabies, rabies has a hundred percent mortality rate. You know what I mean? Like you're like I'm an idiot. I I will take my I'll, I'll take my chances with so much shit. Don't give a fuck. But hundred, there's go look 100%. it up. There's there's twenty people in human history known to have survived rabies. That's twenty people. So are you saying you're twenty one now or what? <laughs> I'm saying I'm the twenty first. I fear nothing. Gambling's for fools, but that's the way I like it, baby. I don't want to exactly. live forever. Exactly right. What time of day does good morning become an inappropriate greeting? I said it at noon today, and I got corrected real hard by the door person. Tom? Um, noon. Yeah. Yeah. 
Did you know that type A slash type B personality traits were first dubbed such in a 1950s study funded by tobacco companies to blame smokers getting heart disease on their stress levels rather than their smoking habits? The scientists, who were funded by tobacco companies, claim that people who are type A personalities tend to live higher stress lives and are drawn to smoking to relax or relieve stress tension, and that it is the high-stress lifestyle that causes the heart disease, not the smoking. Uh, Listen. Fascinating. The things that people put their trust in, in the science community... Are, are often just layman nonsense. So, so uh, everybody look into that shit. Uh, just because something's got a name that sounds legitimate. The example I always use is the Bechdel test, which people yeah. still treat as though it's scientific. Uh, go look up the origins of any of these things that just official. Sounding official isn't shit. You know what I Yo, mean? It's, it's not also, shit. It can, be, it can be valid or interesting and not be scientific. Or yeah, fact. Bechdel test is interesting, not science. For sure, <laughs> and it, and it might be it might be a totally valid marker for some point that someone's trying to make, but it's right. not scientific. I broke my leg at Posse Numbers 2003 and stopped the biggest show of the year for a bit while an ambulance was called to carry me off. What's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you at a show? By the way, that was hysterical. How you doing? <laughs> Moshing. Who? I don't know. I can't remember. But it, the whole show shut that stopped. Mike, I remember it. I didn't know you at the time. No, but yeah. And I didn't uh, see it. I just remember being like, wait, someone got hurt and the whole show stopped? Damn. All right. I'm going to say that uh, I have, uh, I've, I've shit myself, but I don't know if people <laughs> notice except, except for my bandmates. Did you say multiple times? Oh, yeah. I would say once every other tour, I shit myself. I'm not a natural singer. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> like, this is not like the role that I was built for in life. Is that the most embarrassing thing someone said on the show? Yes. <laughs> now, like, uh, most embarrassing like, thing to happen at a show. Um... I was moshing for one of my friend's bands and I hit one of my friends very hard, completely unintentionally and really like messed up his nose. And I remember being really embarrassed and kind of ashamed about it. Uh, and I, I felt like super bad. And it's not like some, like, it's not, that's not my, that's not who I am, you know, whatever. It wasn't like I was, it just like you, I was swung my arm and hit a dude. But I remember one of my friends like was like, yo, what were you doing? I was like, I didn't do it on purpose, you know, but I was very embarrassed by the whole thing. Uh, I had think of any other situations that were like, like where I felt embarrassed. That uh, was definitely one. I, I at a drug church show, I uh, went into the crowd, got uh, got pushed back, uh, was dropped between uh, the end of the stage and the monitors, and uh, lifted myself up, thought I was in the small of somebody's neck, like and whatever. And I turn and I'm just lifting myself up on somebody's boob. And I, and I just looked at them and they looked at me like, Oh, I'm so fucking sorry. And they're like, no, no, no. And I was like, thank Jesus. Cause yeah. like, that was like a tour where I would just gotten yelled at for saying some dumb shit on stage or the, yep. whatever the fuck it was. And like, I was like, Oh, like, but you know, like I was, I was looking towards the stage and just p lifting up off of somebody thought I was like 
but I just turn around and I'm like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> so that, that, that was embarrassing. That could happen. That can happen. Tom, how about you? Um, well, I have a question. So, Pat, when you say you shit your pants. Yes. Like, like full on like diaper full or like you farted and you had to like suck it back up. Okay. So the, the latter is much more common, but on the staining your underwear level, uh, on the very rare occasion, it's been, Hey, I've got to keep this between my cheeks. Otherwise it's going to roll down my fucking pant leg. Oh God. All right. Have you um, thought so- about mitigation strategies? So uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm like the scientific method of, of how to best perform on stage. Like, like I won't eat two hours beforehand. Yeah, I like, yeah. like, like I've got things pretty dialed in, but the uh, problem with, uh, w- with touring for someone like me is I'm not willing to eat Taco Bell for every meal. So that means that there's some variety here. And like, for example, every time I eat sheets, it's a guarantee. Like it's yeah. a fucking, it's a wrap. I'm going to fucking squirt something during our, our performance. <laughs> and, and so like there's certain shit that I just got to avoid, but then there's other shit that just like sneaks up where I'll think that everything's golden and then I'll push too hard. Like, okay. So for people that yeah. don't, for people that don't play music, um, if you're on a bigger stage, uh, hold on, I'm getting, I can hear myself in one of your shits. Did somebody do something different? How about this? Better? Better. Um, so, uh, if you're on a stage and, uh, like for example, uh, uh, drug church, the reason that thrice came up so much on this show, everybody, if you're new here is that, uh, that's the last tour that drug church was able to do before this lot this COVID thing. So that's why it came up. But, uh, that would be a good example on those stages. They were large stages. Um, the sound actually is, is pretty isolated. Uh, so if you're singing, you really only have access to like the monitors that, that, that are in front of you. Uh, and you can feel if you're between the monitors on the side of the stage and the monitors in the center of the stage, which might only be like a four foot gap, you can feel entirely fucking naked. And the reason that that doesn't impact most performers is because the average singer stays within those places. Like they're not, but if you're more from like a hardcore background or in a hardcore band, you're moving around a lot and you're hitting these dead zones on the stage. And in those dead zones, if you're standing for any length of time, you might overcompensate and yell louder. And when that happens, I'm straight, just fucking poop. There's poop happening. And, (laughs) and, and that's happened on many occasions. Round up. I'm glad you're so honest about it. I think there'll be other people who come out and talk about a similar situation. <laughs> you know what? I forget who I said this in front of, but they were like, oh, yeah, I should at least want to tour. And I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> Mine uh, would do be. You have, do you have a good one? I got two. Either the time that I was at a show and um, Paul Bearer called me a mean word. Uh, yeah. Um, which I think I told about, talked about on this show. And scroll, it's on scroll Vine- the archive, folks. It's on vinyl, so if you have the um, Paul Bearer in between songs um, <clears throat> diatribes, um, it's on there. Um, so having all, an entire Coney Island High turn and look directly at me, um, kind of awkward. Um, I think I handled it as well as I could have, but you know. And then um, the Black and Blue set with when we played with Judge, we opened with Rise and Fall, and um, I fell because I 
tripped on a um, this like thick cable that was running between the monitors, and I fucking stepped on it and fucking ate shit, and I did like a barrel roll. Mm. Um, and it was just at the time that it looked like the lights like flashed, so it looked like I had a seizure. Oh wow! Oh, no. When people gave me a hard time, I said it looked like that. You know, the lights fucked me up, and then other people thought I was doing it as a tribute to the singer from Bleeding Through. Oh. Remember you those barrel rolls? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. So yeah, run yeah, across yeah, stage yeah. and like roll on his back and like jump up. That's kind of what I did, but I stepped on a fucking. A, a super thick fucking co- uh, wire that was running between the two monitors, yeah. and I fucking ate shit. There's definitely uh, been some slippery stage stage dive guffaws for me. You know that's for sure. That's 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 never a great look. Oh, you froze, PK. Okay, oh, uh, can you hear me? No. Yeah. Um, I, I, on one occasion. Uh, Uh, There was a wet stage and I ended up doing a front split, not intentional at all. And if you're not flexible, like I'm not flexible doing a nearly full split, the look on my face must've been absolute terror because you think you just tore a bunch of shit. You think you're like, you think it's a wrap for you. You're not walking out of this place. And, uh, it definitely hurt, but I was obviously okay but it, it uh i think that my face in that moment was probably uh, very funny for anybody that was paying attention it was like as full of front split as i could do where like if you know like i don't know if anybody's had this experience but like there's something wet behind you your back leg gives out and your front leg stays static so you're just like basically i looked feeling. i looked silly um, uh, all right who was your first childhood celebrity crush and why wasn't your answer miss elizabeth from wwf Oh yeah, she would be up there, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, I had feelings, but not not super intense. I'm trying to think. Kel- Kelly LeBrock from uh, Weird Science. Oh wow. Joan Jett. Oh, oh nice. wow. It um, really kind of informed my choices going forward most of the time. Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Wow. Yeah. All right. And it only got better with Beverly Hills 90210. So. There was um, a band, Bob, in the yeah. mid '90s called Pseudo Hoodlum from Staten Island. Uh-huh. And they had um, a song called Kapowski. Yeah. That's where it and starts. And it was about like him, like the singer, like coming to like Bayside and stealing it, stealing her away from Zach and from Slater. It's pretty funny. I fucking. All right. I'm looking for that track. Um, like, dude, they went out to like Budo's band or something like something like a jit. But yeah, they were pseudo hoodlum. I love that. All right. Um. Last question. Well, let's do two. How many times do you use your bath towel before washing it? 200. Yeah. Um, until Amanda says it's time to wash it. Yeah, probably, you know, a couple weeks. Yeah. Last question of the day. Rank these mailmen. Cliff from Cheers. Newman from Seinfeld. Carl Malone from the Utah Jazz. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if this uh, is test of strength, we know it's Carl. Right, right. I'm going to go Carl, Newman, Cliff. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Cliff, Newman, Carl because of the Cheers episode with Cliff on Jeopardy. Oh, yeah. Where he refuses to give actual answers where it's like, what is the state capital of New York? And he says, what is not Philadelphia? 
<laughs> okay, and he's so like, I'm correct. This is correct. So uh, Newman is Newman is an interesting one because I was just going to rank him last, and then I remembered that whenever he's on the screen, I'm kind of laughing. So uh, that's for sure. I, so so do I? I don't. I mean, I wouldn't want to hang out with him, but every time he's on a screen, I find him funny. Um, I mean, you laughed at nice game, pretty boy. It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he makes me laugh. He's a funny looking man. Um, so I'm going to actually go uh, Newman, Carl Cliff, but I think Cliff and Carl could be flipped. Carl's got a sordid history. You know what? Most mailmen kind of do. Dickhead. Most mailmen do. Kind of a dickhead. Never mm. won a ring. <laughs> Never won a ring. Okay, he's definitely last. Fuck him. Scotty Pippen telling him, yo, the mailman doesn't do- doesn't deliver on Sundays, and then he misses free throws, and they lose the game. Amazing. My money's on Cliff Clavin there. <laughs> Cliff Clavin might have been on wings. I don't know. It's cool. Yeah, he probably had a cameo. Mm. All right, everybody. Stay safe or whatever. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> everybody, be, be good. Uh, don't let COVID stop your dreams. Don't let COVID stop you. Get off Twitter.